Well, hello and welcome back to the Sunday Afternoon Podcast. My name is Jelana and I am in a room by myself. Um, If you listened to last week's podcast episode that you know that Jennifer and I are doing some solo episodes. So hers aired last week and it was on witnessing in the workplace and it was really practical and encouraging. It gave a lot of encouraging tips on how to share Jesus with people who... um, who might not be as receptive. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely go ahead and check it out. And I'm excited to to record my own episode. I'm a little nervous and honestly have been procrastinating this for the longest time. I've been working on this episode for weeks and really kind of heavy hearted with, with the message and the topic that I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak because in all honesty, I don't think I was ready to firmly stand on it with conviction or really accept it for myself. Um, but at True to Our Podcast, you know, we, I think, share a lot of things in process. And so I definitely don't feel like this is um, a disqualifier or not the right time. I think truth is truth. And whether or not like my emotions are all the way lined up, I definitely feel like the Lord is with me and is speaking and that these things are true. So um, with that, I will get into our segment, Love and Let Go. This week, I am loving my new haircut. I I don't want to go into it too much because it could be a whole other episode, but um, I cut off about five or six inches of my hair last weekend. And as a african-american female it was a big deal and i won't speak for the entire black community but i know for me growing up there was a a lot of worth attached to having long hair as as a black girl um i think because there's a stereotype that we don't typically have long hair or can't grow long hair that if you did and if it was real if you didn't have to pay for it for whatever reason that was just like like an achievement and so I I always did have long hair growing up and I think that for whatever reason I was holding on to this idea that if I cut it I would be less beautiful and I don't know if it's because I'm turning 30 or I've I've turned 30 past tense um, (laughs) or what but I just got tired of putting my worth in anything but Jesus and so for me my hair this was a this was kind of literally and figuratively probably just like trimming off (laughs) um the branches instead of really getting to the root but it felt like a practical step in the right direction um for me to not hold on to anything other than who god says i am so my worth is not in the length of my hair and so i in some ways had to force myself to cut it but in other ways i am really glad that i did um it sounds like i like I'm torturing myself but no I I actually really wanted to get this haircut I just (laughs) realized that the reasons that were keeping me from doing it were were not based on on truth were based in in me trying to um are we really drawing worth and beauty from a certain look and I didn't want to do that anymore so I cut my hair off um yes and I'm loving it and (laughs) What I am letting go of is the need to prove myself. Kind of along the same vein, um, just realizing that I spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think of me. And one of my greatest fears is that people will think that I'm inadequate. And um, I think because of that, it causes me to 
to conduct myself in a way that is like constantly trying to convince myself and others that I am the right person for the job or, you know, qualified to, to speak on certain things or just really proving my, my worth in, in any and every space. And I just am coming, like I said, new season. I don't know a lot of new things. Growth is uncomfortable, but necessary, but you know, just believing that, that even in every space that I'm in and any position that I hold, I'm there because God put me there. And that should be enough confidence, um, for me to do the work and do it well and not have to, to prove to anyone else that I deserve to be there. So I'm letting go of proving myself. And that is our segment of the week. This is weird. I just have to say, I just have to cut in on myself and say, because I'm alone, that I really appreciate having a co-host because I didn't anticipate it being awkward to sit in a room and talk to yourself, but it kind of is. And I don't know. Thank the Lord for editing because I might stumble a little bit just because I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm alone talking to my phone. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's get into this week's episode. And I want to begin by asking a question. What are you waiting for? And not like in a call to action, a pep talk to pick yourself up and make stuff happen kind of way. This isn't a, a self-help message or or even shaming you for not being more proactive message. I'm literally asking you to think of something that you're waiting for. I feel absolutely unqualified to speak on this right now because I know our reasons for waiting span a large spectrum. And the pain and confusion and emotion that can come from dealing in the unknown is real. But what I have to believe is that God is present in it all. I mean, are are you waiting for healing, for God to show up in your family life and turn things around? Are you waiting for someone to recognize your talent and confirm your calling? Are you waiting for a husband, a wife? Are you waiting for the pain of heartbreak to make sense? Are you waiting for Friday because you absolutely hate your job? <laughs> I've been there. And at some point, I know, if not now, we're all going to go through seasons of waiting. And I really wanted to dig in on how to wait well, how to master patience, because I would really like to get it right. It's an inevitable part of life and probably the thing we struggle with the most in our microwave popcorn binge-watching society. We don't even wait a week for a new episode of our favorite show or five minutes for an unskippable commercial break, let alone wait well on the Lord. Personally, I have found myself struggling hard with waiting over the last few years, and I haven't always done it well, which is probably generous because I can confidently say that I have pretty much never done it well (laughs) because I'm as impatient as they come. And if I hear a word from God or a direction, I pretty much feel like it needed to happen two minutes after he said it or I start getting antsy. And maybe you're like me and in the waiting, you've asked the Lord the same question 200 times, hoping that he will end his silence and put you out of your misery. I know you said to trust you, Lord, but maybe just this once you could lay out the entire plan for me so that my heart can be put at ease. And maybe I will trust you more once I've seen your plan and I can evaluate it and sign off on it. (laughs) And maybe the Lord has you in a season of waiting and you're like me and being still is the least natural thing that you can think of doing right now. I mean, you actually have a list and it's constantly growing and you're constantly trying to find your way around this pain. The stagnation is killing you and something has got to move, but nothing is in your control. Really, I'm probably just exposing my control issues here because I don't want to just know that there's a plan. I need to know steps A through Z before I take one step. 
But there are countless examples in the Bible where God asks his children to trust, to wait, to be still and know that he is God. So at some point, my restlessness becomes disobedience, right? And I'm so desperate to find out how to navigate this space well and to see God rightly in it. So why does God tell us the what without telling us the how? Why does God tell us what he's going to do without telling us when? I know that every promise has a purpose. I mean, he never just speaks to hear himself talk. He never fulfills a promise just to make us feel good. Because if the Lord speaks something ahead of time before it comes, more often than not, it's because your life is going to look like it's moving in the opposite direction of what he said. And his word is going to be the only thing you have to go on. But honestly, it perfectly positions us to trust him and to allow him to be God in our lives. After being anointed the next king of Israel, David's path there was anything but easy. You can read First and Second Samuel and see that I'm sure he had some thoughts on a better way to go about getting him to the palace. But he knew who God was. And even when he didn't understand what he was doing, he was faithful to him. Through that, we get to see a man whose confidence in God continued to grow in the cave and in the palace. Because really, from beginning to end, nothing in his life looked like he was going to be set up to be king. And his home... His own family didn't even consider him as an option when Samuel came to anoint him. But I believe that David knew what I am so desperately trying to understand myself. That God never speaks something to us so that we can figure it out or make it happen on our own. If it seems impossible, it's because it is. And he doesn't need our help to carry out his will. Even when he had the opportunity to, David never lobbied for the position. He knew killing Saul, while seemingly the fast track to the throne, would have been disobedient, so he didn't touch him, and he got to see God work it out. He didn't make decisions based on what he believed was supposed to happen. He made decisions based on who he knew God to be and the trust that he would guide his steps. And not that it was a cakewalk for David. I mean, we have a bunch of Psalms that say he experienced an array of emotions. I can imagine that there were times in David's life where he doubted where he thought Samuel made a mistake, maybe God didn't speak, maybe even if it was for a second, he lost faith. He thought someone must have heard wrong and steered him wrong. I mean, I know if it were me, I know I'd be like, why did you let me think I was going to be the next king if I was going to end up dodging spears and running for my life for the better part of a decade? But even through that, we get to see that through his doubts and questions, God continued to walk with him and show him more of who he is. And I know as much as we'd like to believe that we would trust more if God were to just give us more information, I'm starting to believe that I would be just as skeptical even with the full story. But honestly, if he showed it to us, it would probably not bring us the ease and peace that we're looking for. If he showed us all of the twists and turns, all of the intricacies of how he was going to bring it all together, we'd get scared and we'd be frozen, unable to take any step. I know when I heard the Lord call me into ministry when I was in college, when I wasn't thinking of working for a church, or I didn't even know that the that they paid people to sing in church. I didn't know worship leader was a title that someone could have. So if I had known that I would spend the better part of the last my last decade working in retail or in the restaurant industry, just to free myself up as much as possible to be in ministry, paid or unpaid, I probably would have just opted out of that word taken my print journalism degree and gotten myself a nice communications job and probably missed out on all the blessings that have come from that decision to obey. 
I mean, there's a reason he doesn't give us all the details. It's because he is God and we are not. I mean, Jesus told the disciples that he was going to die. And he also told them that he was coming back. But that didn't keep them from freaking out for three days while he was gone. There's something to be said about what we can learn in the middle. And he still told them, Jesus told them knowing how they would respond, knowing that they wouldn't understand, knowing that they would make mistakes, knowing that they would deny him, knowing that they would scatter. He still told them ahead of time, knowing that they wouldn't keep it together (laughs) just so that they could know him better, just so that they would believe him so that when it happened, they would see him for who he was. They would see him that much clearer and know him that much deeper. So I believe that even through the miracles, God's goal is not just to make us feel good, but it's to to show us himself. He wants to be known and he wants us to press into his presence in all things. He's teaching us more of himself in the middle. He doesn't just want us to see him in the outcome or in the miracle. He wants to see him the whole way. So what if we stopped waiting? I know that sounds hard again because some of us are waiting for very real and very hard things. But what if we stopped focusing on the promise and started worshiping him for who he is? What if we just took each day as its own and focused on who God is today and what he's calling us to today? What if we didn't take every word from God regarding the future as an opportunity to lay out our perfect plan for how it should come together and just took him at his word and trusted him with our today? What if we stopped waiting? Not because we stopped believing that God can and will come through, but because we know both of those things to be true. So resting in that looks like taking our focus off of it. Because truthfully, we can't hurry along a move of God. We can't rush the miracle. We can't speed up the process. So the only way past it is through it. And the only way through it is to continue to walk in step with him. Because really, and this is where it gets hard for me, and this is where, <laughs> this is where honestly, I'm still trying to swallow this truth and, and stand on it with everything that I know. But everything that's promised to us in this life is temporary. And its purpose is to get us to the next life. Its purpose is to bring God glory. It's not just to make us happy. I mean, did God speak that you'll be married? You'll celebrate when it comes, but then you might get a word about kids. God spoke to me that I would be in full-time ministry. And when it came, I'm still waiting for things. You know, it, it didn't bring all the fulfillment and, and peace and settlement that I that I thought it would Am I still praising God in it? Absolutely, because this is what I believe he's called me to. But the waiting never ends because once we get the thing, we're just going to be waiting for the next thing. And so I really believe that it's not about the thing. (laughs) I'm looking for a better word than thing, but everything that God speaks, everything that he promises has a greater purpose and it's it's not just for us. And as awesome and miraculous as God is and moves in our lives here on earth, his ultimate concern is sanctifying us and bringing us closer to him so that we can live an abundant life here while we wait to go to heaven. So how do we live a life of worship in the waiting? I believe that if we focus on what he's done, 
focus on what he's currently doing and focus on who he is, we won't miss him in the middle. When we focus on what he's done, we realize that we've already seen him do so much in our lives. For me, practically, that looks like writing out my story, writing out the times where something worked out that I never thought would, writing out the times where he showed up and he showed out and he made a way in spaces where I was unsure it would happen or I was unsure it would work out. I write those things out and I trust him knowing that if he could do that, then he'll do it again. For me now, that looks like knowing that if God could could bring me into a space where I'm doing ministry full time and not having to supplement my income in another way, like I know that he will come through on the next thing. I focus on what he's currently doing by realizing that regardless of my state, I am called as a follower of Jesus to advance the gospel. So I'm not going to become a better Christian once I get married. So instead of focusing on how to be a good wife while I'm single, maybe I should spend more time trying to run as hard as I can for Jesus in this season and in all seasons to come. And finally, I focus on who And finally, I focus on who And finally, I focus on who he is by reminding myself that Jesus is not a consolation prize. I've noticed that sometimes we approach contentment in a way that makes Jesus the means to an end, rather the means and the end. I feel like now I'm in a season where he's teaching me that focusing on him is not just so that I can feel better until he comes through on a promise or gives me what I ask for. I need to focus on him and who he is out of the realization that my whole life belongs to him. So Jesus is not my boyfriend until I get married. He's the Lord of my whole life in whatever state I find myself in. Jesus is not my biggest champion until I get the approval of the crowd. I'm always going to be singing to an audience of one. Jesus is not worthy of my praise after the battle is won or even until the battle is won. He is worthy in the celebration and the heartbreak. He is worthy right now. I need him in the waiting and I'm still going to need him after the breakthrough. So whatever the outcome, no matter what it looks like, no matter if I can understand what he's doing or not, I have to be laser focused on who he says he is and declare that he is good. Because my worship is not dependent on my evaluation of his performance. It's dependent on the unchanging nature of his character. So establish your roots in the truth of who he is and let your faith be built up in ways that you never imagined possible. Because when he does come through, when we do see the miracle, He would never look back at us and say, I told you so, and you should have just believed me. But I believe that he wants me to live in a way that he wouldn't have a reason to. Because I'd be right behind him when he does it, saying, I knew you'd come through. I pray for the kind of faith that Elijah had on Mount Carmel. I mean, there was no doubt in his mind that the Lord was about to rain fire down from heaven. So much so that he doused the altar with water over and over and over again just to raise the stakes on an already impossible thing. I mean, fire fell from the sky. Like, God didn't need Elijah to do that to make it more miraculous when it happened. But I believe that was just a testament to Elijah's roots. He was so confident in God, and I pray for that confidence. I know sometimes waiting is dark and hard. I think of the parents in the hospital waiting for their child to wake up, waiting and believing, hoping for healing, pleading with God to make it better. I think of the husband waiting for his wife to come back. 
believing that the Lord made him a promise, believing that the Lord can heal and can restore. I would never presume to know what those things feel like, and I would never flippantly dismiss that pain by saying that we need to just stop waiting. But I believe that the only thing that gets us through this life is to know that God is good and that this isn't it for us. I mean, Jesus doesn't just have what we need. He is what we need. So it is my prayer that we we wait well, we trust well, we rest well, knowing where our hope lies, knowing who holds our future. I pray that we worship while we wait. I pray that we worship every day because he's worthy. (sighs) Well, thank you so much for listening um, to this podcast. Uh, I'm excited to see where this conversation continues to go. I'm excited to see where the rest of the season continues to go. And um, I thank you all for just sticking with us and and being invested. Um, Please keep in touch you can follow us on instagram at the sunday afternoon podcast i'm sorry at sunday afternoon podcast you would think by now we i would be able to get that right i'm so sorry but you can follow us there um you can find us on facebook and you can follow our individual instagrams instagrams mine is at jelana jones and that's spelled j-i-l-l-a-n-a my last name is jones and jennifer's is at get fit with jen g-e-t-f-i-t-w-j-e-n thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next sunday bye